Welcome to All Things Greater Burlington, where you will hear from the movers, shakers, and changemakers that are moving Greater Burlington forward. Here is your host, Stephen Brody. Welcome to All Things Greater Burlington. Today, we are going to be talking about all things education, and it is my pleasure to have with us today Rob Scott, the superintendent for the Burlington Community School District. And Rob, thank you again. I know you're very busy, but uh, thank you so much for taking time to be with us today. No, great to be here. And uh, when you Outside today makes you think spring break Spring break is right around the corner, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's nice and sunny and it's a sign of things to <laughs> yes, come, right? right? Well, why don't we first uh, get to know you a little bit, sir? Um, what brought you to Burlington? What was it about this area that that interested you and, and wanted to have you come here? Yeah, uh, I'd say my wife and I have been on the eastern part of the state for a long time. And we just have the connection to this side of the state. My wife is a lot of family from Dubuque. I'm from the Davenport, Quad City area. And, um, you know, I've played on these ball fields. Uh, my kids have played on these ball fields. So when the job came available, it was, this fits exactly where I'm at, like for a mission and what I want. I wanted to be a leader of a one high school district. And part of that is I really wanted to be somewhere where the at the time they came in as a kindergartner, it was Greyhound. They were Greyhounds working their way all the way up. And so you could build on that momentum and then, um, you know, it's a it's a big town. I know it seems in Southeast Iowa, it's kind of, everybody doesn't know, but it's a really big town. Yeah. And, you know, we were looking for that too, to have that balance of a one high school and a larger community. Yeah. Now, coming from the Quad Cities, obviously you, you touched upon, you like the idea that this is a one high school yeah. district. Being in the Quad Cities and having more than one high school, that obviously had challenges then. Yeah. Yeah. And I worked for the Danport schools for a long time and they had three high schools. And of course, I'm a graduate of one of those high schools. And, you know, just the vision of the true feeder program. And we were always trying to fill that, whether it be a music or academic or athletics, trying to get that flow. And so there was a lot of things that always kind of got in the way of that. And so, you know, early on in my career, it was like, you know, I think I want to be in one high school. And when I was coaching, uh, in Illinois, I was always at a school like that. I was in a one high school district. And so the time I had kindergartners coming to basketball camp or whatever, I knew those were just my future kids. And so when I walk, coaches walk through our elementaries, they go, hey, that's a future Greyhound. And, and that's the kind of excitement and uh, enthusiasm I wanted to be a part of. And oftentimes you'll you'll be around the same kids all the way from elementary all the way through. There won't be too much splintering, right? Yeah, right. And that's one of the nice things. I do think the model, I really enjoy the model of uh, the five, six, and the seven, eight junior high. Uh, my nephews who were in the Kansas City area went to school system very similar to that. And uh, I like that breakout. I think they brings those elementary kids together at such a young age. They they build friendships. And the two grade level research has said is really the best grade level split you should have as we're transitioning kids. So so it all, all the parts were really appealing once I got down here and then just started meeting everybody. And I used the word purple passion. I started feeling <laughs> that from everybody that talked to me about how they just wanted the school district to be great. Yeah. What was it in your past, Rob, that uh, prepared you to do something like this? I mean, how many... How many people grow up and say, you know, I want to be the superintendent of a school district? Was there something about education that that you had a passion for? Yeah, it's probably everything just kind of fell into a line. I've had great people who have led me along the ways. Any of us sitting in positions today talk about that mentor or that guiding force, you know, along your journey that kind of helps you along, right? I've had 
very good stakeholders that have helped me along the way. And I had an associate superintendent that really challenged me. And she said, you know, Rob, you're a great building high school principal, but there's more. You can offer more. You should think about getting into your, you know, superintendent classes. And as I took the classes, it was like, oh, I can see how I can impact even more kids. And so then I transitioned to an associate superintendent role, and I really could spend a lot of time at the high school, middle school level where I was making significant changes. And I could see how I could really do some good, greater good for the entire district. So I enjoy that. Um, but I'm also at the core, I'm a collaborator. And so the great thing about being in positions of leadership is you get to visit with a lot of people and really collaborate what's best for everyone. Yeah. Right. And really yeah. hear a lot of different. And I'll give a lot of credit to my mom. My mom was a a banker and worked at credit unions for her whole life. And she taught me the skill of listening to people. Yeah. She goes, they really have something to say if you'll take the time. And that skill set is really transitioned to my job because there's a lot of smart people in the room if you'll let them help you. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. How is the school district? Um, oh, what's the best way to put this? You're coming in following Pat Cohen, oh, who was yep. here for a long time. Yep. So it, is it two different styles? Do you do you see? Is it, you know there was there was the Pat Cone style. There's the Rob Scott yeah. style. How, how's that been going? Yeah, yeah. When we enter the room, we definitely enter the room differently, you know. Pat. <laughs> but to give the credit, Pat's an awesome guy, and I will say this: that he has been there uh, prior to me taking the job. After taking the job, if I had a phone call, anything's happening, he's an awesome guy. The hard work that he did has allowed me to start doing some of these next step because I couldn't do that if he hadn't worked with his people in his cabinet uh, around getting the financial sta stability in the district, right? Yeah. Made a lot of this, the transitions in the schools, getting the high school project off the ground. It's really allowed me to come in and I can, I look good because I'm taking it from 80% to 90% or 80 to 95%, but he did the 80%, a lot of the work, his people with him. He would say the same thing sitting here. He yeah. didn't do it by himself, right? And all those people around him, so... But um, I think we have very similar, we have athletic backgrounds. Mm -hmm. We both have military. I was in the Army for a couple of years, so we bonded kind of closely a little bit. But yeah. every leader has a little bit different style. Um, and uh, um, I was just thankful for what he did to kind of transition me in. Right. Because, you know, when you're at that end, you're like, okay, I'm ready to go. Especially for him, was he, he's out fishing and he's ready to be retired, yeah. right? And so he was really good to me. What would you say are the main uh, obligations and responsibilities of a superintendent. Yeah, I, I'd have to say, um, the, the of course, there's the academic part of it, right? Your students have to feel an opportunity to be successful in whatever path that they choose. And we've got to continue to look at what those opportunities are. It can't just be one model. Uh, we've got to be able to, students have to have a voice also. And we've established um, a student voice group at every one of the schools now. So each principal monthly meets with students nice. to kind of talk about what's going on in their building. And most times we hear nine out of 10 things are the good things, right? Yeah. But it does give you a chance for students to say, hey, what can we do about this, right? How can we make a little small change with that, yeah. which is awesome. Um, I'd say that one. I think the staff have to feel valued. They have to be. In today's world, it's it's hard. I mean, yeah. I, the last time I was in the classroom was probably 18 years ago, Right. And so I try to tell people, like, I still haven't been there. I believe what you're doing. I, I can value what you do, but I haven't been there. So I have to listen to their voice and what their concerns are. Yeah. Parents, parents just want to know that their kids are going to be safe when they walk to school, right? They right. want to be in schools. They want to feel good about the school. Yeah. They want to know the opportunities are there, but they, they don't want to have to worry. So 
Those are some of the key things. Uh, Opportunity, you know, staff and students feeling valued and parents feeling safe and knowing, you know, their kids are having a good time, right? High school should be fun. Elementary school, middle school, they should be good times, right? That's a great time for you. And so we want kids to enjoy themselves when they're there. Yeah. You talked about being a collaborator and there's nothing better than being a collaborator. Have you been able to do that uh, with being superintendent with other superintendents in the area? I have to imagine yeah. there's obviously yeah. opportunities to meet and to share ideas. Yeah. So one of the first things that got started when I got here was we started meeting as the Des Moines County superintendents. And that was offered by the Minneapolis superintendent and West Burlington and Danville, the four of us. We sit and we meet monthly. Great. And we just talk about like everything that was going on with legislation, with parochial school, the student, you know, school yeah, choice and right. everything. But also how can we share, you know, we're talking about using a, a Mark Perna. He's a national speaker around uh, CTE programming. And um, so we're we're trying to bring him in on the same day. And um, so so there's a lot of collaboration started there. Yeah. Uh, we did, we worked with together on the calendar. So now we're trying to align with all of our spring breaks next year are lined up together, oh, nice. right? Cause we share staff. We know yeah. those boundaries are, are blurred. And so, and students. And so we've been doing some good things. So that's been a real, they're, they're a nice group to work with, right? We've had a great relationship right out, just out of, out of the shoot. Yeah. And I know here at the greater Burlington partnership, we, we held a forum several months ago with the superintendents. Mm-hmm. I know that there was a conflict with you, yep. but you know, Corey Johnson filled in wonderfully. Yeah. Um, but that was something that we wanted to do was to have the superintendents all there to talk and to, and to share. Maybe I should go back and listen to the recording. Now, hopefully they said just as many nice things about me. <laughs> at that, just joking. But I, yeah, I mean, it's been really comfortable and uh, we meet, we meet out of the offsite at a non-school area. So we can really just kind of get into some hard discussions. Right. When you came on board, were you charged with anything like there's, there's an issue, there's a concern that we want you to tackle, or was it or was that not the case? And it was, hey, the the ship's in the right direction. We want you to just keep going in that direction. Yeah, I, I think as uh, with any new leadership search, there's they're always looking for a couple things, right? Yeah. But I think that my past aligned with the work that they were doing. Uh, professional learning communities is a collaboration that teachers use and principals use. I have a lot of experience with that. Um, my experience with construction uh, jobs in the Danport, all the many different facilities that we had put up and did lend right into the high school $30 million project we've got going on. So they we wanted someone who was going to know to keep architects and everybody on task and was going to be able to ask the right questions. Um, and I, I think that when you're um, Davenport and Burlington are not the same, but they're similar. And so some of the similar challenges um, equity, you know, discipline, some of those experience I had, I think, I think was good things that I brought to the table and, um, the hard work is done at the building level, right. By the principals. Yeah. But, you know, getting principals together and starting to share information with monthly meetings is something that, that I brought here too. And so I think it was just an alignment of, I think if you're talking about a baseball player, you want a five-tool player. Oh, right. Uh, you know, I think, I don't know that I'm like a great home run hitter, but I think I do everything, you know, so the, all those tools kind of, they they looked at that and said, okay, that's going to fit really nice with the work we're doing here. Yeah. What are you hearing from folks on the ground, like the, the teachers and the aides, when they are sharing, what is it that they look to you for? for support yeah. because you know te- teachers 
teachers get hammered, you know, just like other professions. Mm-hmm. There, there are certain professions where they're just getting hammered. Oftentimes they feel demeaned. They feel like they're not appreciated and loved. So I'm sure that that's no different from district to district. So yeah. what, what, what is there that, that can be done to show them the love and the appreciation? Cause obviously you want to keep them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I try to put on the hat of when I'm talking to a teacher, I really try to remember what it was like to be a health teacher. You know, mm-hmm. what was what was I going through in the classroom when I was a principal, when I'm talking to principals? But they have to feel heard. Now, what I also do is I don't overpromise and underdeliver. Yeah. That's the I would think one of the bigger mistakes that leaders make because they want to make everybody happy. And they're like, oh, we're going to take care of that. And then they get back and they're checking two or three. They realize they can't make them where they want to get them. Right. And so you've got to be able to be honest with people and say, I will respond to you. And I personally respond. I just emailed a teacher the other day. You've got to personally reach out to them. You know, I go to schools and get into the schools because those conversations are not many people are going to come to my office because they're busy. They got their lives. They got their families. If I'm walking through the buildings and they see me, Hey, Mr. Scott, can I talk to you about something that bring it, creating those opportunities for conversation is important. But the biggest thing is just listening to their concerns, validating that concern, and then and being honest about what we can and can't do about it. Mm -hmm. And it may not fix what happened at that event right there, but it's definitely something we can professionally develop or enhance throughout the entire district. You know, a situation in a a third grade classroom, well, I have 11 other third grade classrooms. So I can use that sample and go, oh, but we need to talk about that curriculum piece in all of our to make sure we're all on the same page. And so- Really taking those moments and, and learning from those. Is there anything that you're bringing from your previous position in the Quad Cities that wasn't here in Burlington that you think could be a good fit here? Yeah, um, I would say that the student voice is something that really is starting to expand. We've had some uh, um, at the board meetings, some students presenting. Um, that's been a big part of it. The collaboration amongst all of our principals, I think it happened, uh, but I think we're trying to really formalize like, these monthly meetings and create that dialogue where they can come and they can bring their concerns. I talk about a stream of, there's got to be a flow of information going up the stream and down the stream. And so when I talked to the entire uh, district early in August, I said, that communication has to happen both ways. It can't just be top down. We can't just be telling you, oh, this has to happen. This has to happen. We've got to have a way for them to bring stuff to their, what I call them is their building leadership team. And then the building leadership team can bring it to the district leadership team and so then I can take it to the school board and then yeah. the school board can have something that goes the exact opposite way down to the teachers, even to the students. And so that flow of information up and down is something we're really working hard to create. Yeah. So they, so everyone feels that they've got, if I've got a concern, I know there's an avenue for me to get that up there. And that comes from even not just our classrooms, that's in our maintenance department. That's our custodial, our bus drivers. I've established with those directors that same thing. They have monthly meetings where they can bring concerns that they bring to a, a cabinet level meeting where, uh, with myself at the district office, and then I can take that to the school board. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that's one of the things I really feel proud about. Great. This might be a big question, uh, and if it's too broad, forgive me. How would you say the condition of the school district is right now with regards to, let's say, you know, teacher-student ratio, um, uh, attendance numbers, like is the school full? And and the big question, of course, is funding. Yeah. Uh, you know, how is how's the district doing on, on those fronts? Yeah. So overall, 
as a district. That's I just had asked the question. I was at a Rotary meeting today and they said, what has been a big aha moment for you since you got here? And I said, the aha is I haven't had one yet. Right. Because everything is kind of still flowing in such a positive yes. aspect. Our, our schools are are well staffed with, you know, class sizes. Now, we may have an imbalance of a classroom that has a few too many kids. But as an average, when I look at all grade levels and some 300 teachers, our class sizes are really good down here, which is great for our students. Yeah. Um, and then I just would say overall that um, I, I felt like an energy from them when I go into the building. They want it to be right. And I feel that because they'll say something like if they're if they don't think it's right, they'll call me out. They'll say something like. Hey, this is something that's got to get fixed. This isn't going to work, right? Yeah. This is this is an environment. So, I think that's good financially. I think um, the district has been, the state has been. This is not to get too political, sure. but we've been underfunded a little bit over the past years, right? Sure. And we just have been. Uh, I know the three percent this year was good uh, for our district, right? But they're all struggling with that because when inflation is eight percent, right, and you're dealing with that, it's hard, right, right, to increase it. And at the end of the day. 80% of our budget is salaries and benefits. Yeah. And so there's not a lot of extra money out there for us to then make significant jumps into that. Um, so we're talking to the state about what that means. Um, of course, we've got the school voucher, which, you know, we don't know the impact of that. Will right. we lose many kids or will the same amount of kids because families believe in that look and they've continued to have here and there's opportunities in Burlington yeah. and that and that's fine. Or will it create more? Will there be more schools opening up and what does that impact? But you've got to plan that out early if we start to see those trends. And yeah. really this year we were, the state had said we were going to have more of a, a trend, uh, lose more students. And we didn't, you know, we had less than was expected, which was good for us. And, but we just got to continue to plan on that and build it. And kind of when I look at our four elementaries, I look at like it's one big elementary and how do I service all of those kids? I have 10 or 11 sections of every grade level. Yeah. And then how does that flow into our Aldo's middle school, intermediate school. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask, you know, some obvious questions when it comes to like school safety. Yeah. You know, we, we hear the tragedies about school shootings uh, in different places. I don't know if, you know, if there are certain things you can share or not share, but you know, is, is the Burlington school district in a, in a good place um, to maybe be prepared or equipped if, God forbid, a situation like that were to occur. Yeah. yeah. I'd say beyond schools being hardened down to the point where they are like uh, going into a federal building, right, yeah. where you have bunkers in front and, and the doors, I think our buildings are in really good shape. There are some things that will come out of our security audit that we had done by the state, um, and and we just put together our safety and security team. We we reestablished that team earlier this year and our second meeting is actually tomorrow morning. Yeah. And we're talking about, well, what tweaks, what little things can we do with our buildings? Um, we're talking about a visitor management program, which means as anybody comes into the building, they would just hand us their driver's license. We'd run the, and then give them a visitor pass to get into the building. So some record of, of them coming in. We already have many of the, what most schools, well, not most schools, some schools don't have, is that locking where you have to buzz in to get in the building. You're yeah. not coming in unless somebody buzzes you in. Mm-hmm. And and so some of those things, there's just a couple other small things. We did some fencing this year around a playground, actually at two of our elementaries, because we just felt like it created a little bit safer environment for yeah. them. Yeah. But we're always looking at that, and especially in this $30 million project at the high school. That was one of the things that was on my lens right away. 
was every door. I mean, you think of a high school, they have 30 some doors. And so doing the things like making a door where a sensor goes off. And so in the office, you just get a small beep and it tells you that that door, you know, 13C is open yeah. and you can send security, you know, walk over there, right. take a look. And it just got adjourned because of snow or a kid put a pebble in there because he wants his buddy who parks his car to get in. Yeah, It's really... At this point, you know, nobody's trying to cause harm, but it, those do create some unsafe environments. So all those things we're looking at and um, just creating opportunities to make the buildings a little bit more safe. Um, if you've been in our building, we have our exterior building and then we have the CTE building, which is a little bit, um, well, there was an outdoor walkway. Well, now this summer, actually, we are enclosing that walkway. So now once you enter the building, you're inside the building the whole time. Mm. There's no walking outside. There's no you know, some kid walking in from the back parking lot, you know, really going to be able to secure those areas. And so those are the lenses I think I hope that I bring to the district that yeah. gives a little bit better look, but really safe, really safe. And, you know, um, we can we want to advert the as much as we can. Yeah. Right. Yes. Another issue that that always is that has been big in the news in recent years always uh, it involves curriculum. Um, how, how is it here in terms of parents having access to the curriculum that is being taught? Yep. yep. So I think that that's a, a continual work on that, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the examples is our school improvement, uh, committee, which meets once a year to talk about goals. We've actually changed that where that's a quarterly meeting. Now we're doing that, you know, four times a year to have parents come in we're inviting more people to sit on what is called our SIAC committee, uh -huh. but they come in and that way they can get their voice. We we just had a parent at our last one talk about now coming out of COVID and all the changes, how can we restart to volunteer more back into our schools? Yeah, You know, families, parents, grandparents, people are looking to get back into the building now. And so it was great feedback for them because, you know, you get so busy in the work, you forget, well, you would just call the school and they're like, well, but I'm just... I don't know how to call the school. Who do I talk to? And so we're really trying to generate some type of list. Um, but that's just an example of we've got to continue to bring community members into these committees and get their voice. Um, I think our school board is very well connected to the to the families in the district. And so I get a lot of communication through them, which is fantastic because they're able to get some feedback and then I can check on opportunities or things that are happening and or inviting that person to come to meet with me personally or come to a committee meeting. Maybe yeah. it'll be a curriculum meeting. A lot of our stuff is online um, with the curriculum um, just because that's the trend more is they have a lot of teacher classroom stuff. And a lot of that, there were, I hear a lot of questions about coming through COVID. What are some good things that happened? Well, one of the good things was our teachers became more versed with how to teach virtually, right? To have more stuff online and yeah. the resource that really forced them. Now that was hard work for them you know, for some of them, I should say, yeah. <laughs> but, but it was hard work getting it started, but now boy, what a resource they have because they really can use those opportunities. And I think it's really transparent for the, the parents. Yeah. If we have something that they're needing to see, I believe they can get their hands on it or, or we communicate it back out to them. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. You know, at the greater Burlington partnership, obviously, you know, in the chamber of commerce, we're big on business. We're big on um, workforce and talent development and apprenticeships and, and things. And we know that there have been great relationships yep. with, with the schools. Is there anything that we could do more as a business community to help you, to help education, to, to work closer together? Yeah. So well, one of the things we are uh, 
trying to get started, or I should say uh, deepen, is we're doing a build um, business leaders a council. And oh. so we want to be able to get business leaders in and, and create this council where we can start meeting with them quarterly during the year. Okay. We have one that works a little bit through our CTE program and Brian Johnson at our high school who leads a lot of that work, but we're trying to formalize that a little bit more for all kinds of job shadow opportunities. Uh, when I was meeting with um, Dr. McCoy at, at, at the hospital yeah. or when I was at Rotary or when I've been, I'm really always reaching out like, hey, if banks or anybody, anybody needs a connection, call me personally. Or, or call the district office because we want to start connecting those with the students. Yeah. And it could be, doesn't always have to be paid internships because we got kids who are looking, we can give them credit to be in an internship for credit for class and oversight. And then they're getting reps. And one of that was just visiting with another uh, business leader the other day. And I was telling him, sometimes it's about showing kids even the, what they don't want to do. Oh, right. Exactly. I, my own daughter was sure she was going to be a nurse and spent one day in a high school in like this nursing pre-class and said, okay, I don't want to be a nurse. And, I, <laughs> and we were like, just think we would have went to college and she would have spent a semester at college yes. doing that had not for that job shadow situation she had. So we, yes. we really try to think through that. We, we have a lot of wins, but those losses are where they're not connecting. They're just as valuable. Because it helps them make it, okay, well, then maybe I want to do this or maybe I want to do that. Well, and I will tell you that when we were just recently in Des Moines for our Southeast Iowa days, we heard presentations from uh, from students. And one of the things that they were talking about was the necessity to have job shadowing, mm -hmm. Whether exactly what you said. Whether we end up doing the job or not, we'd love to have those opportunities yeah. where we can go and see for ourselves, well, you know, is that something that we want to do? Or is that something like, okay, I've been there, done that, and now I can check that off the list and move on. So if the students are saying that, that obviously is something that's important enough. And it, and it sounds like you are well, making those things available. And even showing the kids that changing their mind is just fine. Uh, That's life. My, my middle child, she changed her major three times, maybe even four times <laughs> in college <laughs> and still graduated. And she's teaching now, right? Because yeah. she found her, my son is a pharmacist and knew he was going to be a pharmacist the first day he stepped on Iowa's campus and it worked out for him. Your paths are different, right? But there's yeah. plenty of chance to make opportunities to change, yeah. right? And you can, you can definitely do that and not to be the end. And I think that's part of the high school uh, part of it is that we can show them like, well, it's okay. Now let's change your career, your four-year plan. Let's take a look at it. What are you thinking? Yeah. W one of the kids there even mentioned that they thought it made sense to introduce this even earlier and not just in high school, but even like in eighth grade. Yeah. Would that make sense? Yeah. And, and we're actually doing a little bit of that already. We're okay. starting to, their, their eighth grade introduction courses around some of these, but they're Really in eighth grade, we talked to them about their, their high school plan. And so we try to get them early on in their eighth grade year to so they start thinking about the courses and do I want to go to, for example, they just had a STEM fest that just over the weekend, right? right? Well, so getting that information out to kids, they go over, they see it. Some kids may say, oh, it's nice. Other kids may go, oh, this is what I want, right? And so we need to continue to promote those opportunities out in, during their eighth grade year that are in the community. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I would imagine that uh, the 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 district is doing pretty well. Do you have do you have conferences as superintendents that you go to yep. to be able to learn industry trends and, and talk yep. with fellow superintendents? Yeah, we're really valuable opportunities. Uh, the AA, um, the local, all the superintendents from Southeast Iowa, we meet monthly. Yes, which is a 
just an extremely valuable opportunity because we're talking about very, you know, kids that are in this area and what can we do for them? And we advocate on behalf of them. Yeah. And so get a lot of opportunities for that. I work heavily through the school administrators of Iowa and, and with the superintendents, uh, we probably meet four times a year. And so there's some opportunities. And then there's also a national conference that I've attended in the past. Um, and you're looking for those right opportunities that we have. We do a lot of work through uh, solution tree and professional learning communities. Mm -hmm. And so Last year, when I, I think we sent over 100 teachers to different conferences. And so, you know, I went to one of this also because they want to see that the superintendent is an instructional leader, too. Yeah. Right. Not just the management guy, not just the guy paying bills or, or making those decisions. We want someone who really is involved in their work. And so I think it's important to be there with them. In the time that we have left, you've obviously moved here to the area. What is it about the greater Burlington area that uh, that you really enjoy? that could possibly serve as an encouragement if somebody's listening and say, well, hey, if if he came, then, you know, maybe this is an area for me to look at as well. Yeah, I I, I would just say the the positive approach that I've gotten from everybody that I've been here, uh, but that's not just in the school. That's like when I walk over to Hy-Vee or if I've been over at Farm King picking something up or a dealership having the car worked on, everybody's just so friendly. And I, and again, I'm an Iowa guy, always been an Iowa guy. I just feel that passion from Iowa, Yeah. but it's right here. And the, and the opportunities, there are so many places to go out to eat in Burlington. There are so many places, different things that you can do here. And quite honestly, with the greater Burlington partnership, you guys are always putting something on. <laughs> if I read the, if I read the, the email that I get, it says, oh, and this is happening this weekend downtown, whether it's the comedy club or different things that are happening. So, so it's great because there's, a lot of activities and a lot of ways to connect with with people that are that are going on. So yeah, so I it's been really a smooth transition for me, and 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 I feel very fortunate uh, to be in such a strong district. Um, and and yeah, and it's just awesome. You know, I get so passionate, I get so excited, and people are like, well, you just kind of talk really fast. I'm like, I just wanted everybody to know the good things that are going on, right? I don't want to forget to leave something out because if you get your kids in here and you see the passion of the teachers. And you see that or you see the coaches and that you're just going to be like, wow. Yeah. Why do we even hesitate? We should have been in Burlington a long time ago. Well, we appreciate you being here and making the making the investment of coming to this area and yeah. giving of yourself and your time and your talent and your expertise. And so we thank you for that. And we wish you great success in many years here in the area. Yep. Yep. Keep watching because the Greyhounds are great. We're rolling. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you again, Rob. It's been a pleasure to have you with us today. And we thank you for joining us don't forget to like and subscribe, All Things Greater Burlington. You can find it on several different platforms. If you have suggestions on future guests, please reach out to us at the partnership offices. We would love to interview them. Until then, take care, and we'll see you next time on All Things Greater Burlington. You have been listening to All Things Greater Burlington with Stephen Brody. Be sure to hit the subscribe button to catch all new episodes. To learn more about all things Greater Burlington, visit greaterburlington.com slash ATGB.